Farmers and Distillers Dining Room and Patio are now open and accepting reservations. They're following all the government guidelines so you can choose to dine out safely or if you want to stay in, they've got you covered. You can order for curbside pickup or delivery online at FarmersAndDistillers.com. They're also still offering a robust one-stop shop founding farmers market and grocery for all your daily grocery needs. Offerings include fresh produce, a prepared foods market, whole bakery, butcher and deli, house-churned ice cream, house-roasted coffee, wine, beer and more. Visit FoundingFarmersMarket.com to order. Same-day delivery available. That ain't right. I hope the president's watching. Not the Gary Hoffman. This guy is a petulant child. That's what he is. Shannon Farron. Oh, girl, it's cold outside. Gary and Shannon. What? No. Yeah. We are going to kick your rear end out of the White House on this wall. Okay. and it was dripping a brown liquid. It was like, uh, what was that? Did you smell that? No. What am I going to smell it? Well, I want to know what it was. Seriously. Who who drowns a keyboard and then just leaves it? Nick! Was it coffee? Oh, maybe, yes. But Candle but just, doesn't drink coffee. He yeah, drinks Diet Coke. Yeah, he has coffee. Oh, he does? Yeah, but I'd, I'd give it a sniff. Uh, uh, we're gonna Nick, need a new Nick, keyboard. We're gonna need a new keyboard. Seriously, it's this disgusting. is after I cleaned it up. There was a there was a substance in there. I see all the juice in there. There's still juice in there, Nick. Yeah. Would you let Carrie know or somebody that Carrie left? She's here today. Oh. <laughs> I was like Carrie's in Cincinnati. Uh, no, not yet. She's not. Yeah. No. Well, she shouldn't have to deal with this either. And why are there four missed calls on this phone? It's like a super secret line. I don't know. Who's calling this line four times and not no one's answering? That's a weird. Sort of a picky little Monday, isn't it? Well, picky. Amy, all I ask is. There's a crime is, scene in here. Yeah. All I ask is, <laughs> hey, uh, when you start your work week, make it not look like a garbage dump exploded. Yeah, it's like dumpster in here. What's the, What's with those stains on the carpet? Those Who did are, that? Uh, what is that? That's a lot of fluid. What goes on here when we're not here? Do you think here? that fluid is connected to this fluid? Possibly. Like in the keyboard? Oh, is also gross. over there on the floor. Why do we have to deal with fluids? I mean, we're adults. This isn't a kindergarten room. Can't we keep our fluids to ourselves? Hey, speaking of fluids, did you see the footage from Vegas? No. Oh, this is why we can't have nice things. This proves the point I've been trying to make to you that people are dumb. <laughs> it looks just completely like normal in Vegas. Nobody's wearing a mask, no social distancing. Well, it looks just like it did before this whole thing happened. Weren't people taking temperatures? When you go into a place, you got to take a temperature? I don't know, but the temperature thing is BS because you could 
not have a temperature and yeah. still have it. And still be getting all germy all over everybody. Right. Uh, okay. So there's a handful of things that are going on today that we're going to be paying attention to. Steve Gregory is going to join us in the 11 o'clock hour and talk about some local issues, including the L.A. Police Protective League, saying that Eric Garcetti has lost his ever-loving mind. Um, we're going to get back into our small business shout-outs and talk about some of those companies that have endured what is a weird shutdown, and we'll see how things come back to it. Uh, Swamp Watch, there is some police reform legislation that's been introduced in uh, in Congress, and we'll talk about that. But I'm going to start with this uh, this issue of defunding or abolishing police departments. I was thinking about this this morning, and... I was thinking about the parallel that kind of exists in some extent to what happened with state hospitals. State hospitals were not run correctly. Uh, They were scenes of discrimination. They were misused. There was just horrors going on in the state hospitals. So we just shut them all down instead of fixing the problem, which led to, you know, crazy people on the streets. Yeah, and 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 other crimes. Um, and more homelessness. And it, it was like and it's always been bizarre to me of the the reaction to just get rid of something completely as opposed to changing the way they're operating. Uh, so Minneapolis is obviously the flashpoint for all of this. Minneapolis City Council uh, has said that they will disband the city's police department. Nine out of the 13 council members there in Minneapolis which is a veto-proof majority. Now, Jacob Fry, the 38-year-old Jonas brother who is currently the mayor of Minneapolis, reiterated he doesn't support abolishing the city's police department, but that he is at least opening to um, defunding or reducing the funding for all of this. And I just want to play for you just uh, the first couple of minutes here. He was on Good Morning America Um Today, answering these questions about defunding the police department, George Stephanopoulos uh, asking the questions. We are joined now by the mayor of Minneapolis, Jacob Fry. Mayor, thank you for joining us this morning. We just showed that video of you, and we heard about what the council is deciding to do right now. So will you veto a council resolution to dismantle the Minneapolis Police Department? Let me be clear. I am for massive structural and transformational reform to an entire system that has not for generations worked for black and brown people. We have failed them, and we need to entirely reshape the system. We need a full-on cultural shift in how our Minneapolis Police Department and departments throughout the country function. Uh, Am I for entirely abolishing the police department? No, I'm not. And so over the coming days... Well, he goes on. uh, He does say, by the way, he says, let me be clear about six times in a four-minute I didn't find it to be that clear also. It it was not. It was not. Now, like I said, the nine out of the 13 uh, city council members have said that they will vote to disband the Minneapolis Police Department. He... Even if he over uh, overrides that veto, I'm sorry. Yeah, even if he vetoes it, they're going to override that veto. The question is, and the the thing that you are you have to wrestle with is what comes in its place. If you're going to disband a police department for a city of four hundred thousand people, they have about uh, I looked it up today. They have about eight hundred sworn officers, about eleven hundred employees total for Minneapolis. What do you replace it with? And we don't have a lot of great examples. I mean, we have one. We'll talk about it a little bit later in that Camden, New Jersey did just that. Well, they, they abolished their police department, kind of. And we can get into that. But the the 
people drawing comparisons to Camden is not really a good comparison to make. Camden's a city of 73,000 people. Right. We have 4 million people in Los Angeles. Right. So it's different. I mean, they have had some success with crime rates going down since they got rid of their police force. But again, it's it's kind of like when people want to compare the United States to what they're doing in Sweden. Right. Whether it's economically <laughs> you know, or health, right. public health or anything like that. It's a different like beast. Very different beast. Now, the other thing is that there, you know, Black Lives Matter activists who have been pushing the defund the police or abolish the police departments, they do have some plans. When we come back, we'll go through some of the things that they say could replace what we know of as a police agency. Here's a highlight. When it comes to property crimes like burglary, they want you to have a meeting between the victim and the offender to work things out. <laughs> so if somebody comes to my house and and steals my car right. and I say, hey, no, that's my car. Hey. Hey. No. <laughs> uh, how does that conversation go? I'll see you on Tuesday. <laughs> We'll do lunch. Yeah. We'll talk about. <laughs> I don't get it. Anyway, we'll, we'll dig into the details. Gary and Shannon. We'll continue in just a moment. Amy King is over there with an update. A fire that started overnight has burned about 75 acres in the Castaic area. The fire was fueled by winds as firefighters on the ground and helicopters in the sky worked to douse the flames. The fire is about 30% contained. Democrats in Congress have proposed legislation to change policing following the death of George Floyd in police custody in Minneapolis. The legislation would impose a federal ban on police chokeholds while setting up a national database to track police misconduct. Police in Bakersfield say a person who ran across a roadway during a protest and was struck by a vehicle last week has died. The pedestrian was hit Wednesday night and died Saturday. Police say video shows the pedestrian running across lanes toward the median when uh, the pedestrian was hit by a car doing the speed limit with its headlights on. We'll check some trouble on the five next. It is, uh, it's going to be hot again. That air conditioning is going to be humming along. That means your energy consumption is going to go through the roof. Yeah, your next bill is not going to be smaller than the last one. So be prepared for higher bills, rate hikes, power outages with SolarMax technology. SolarMax can help you out. They can save you money now when you need it. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM six forty live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. In Houston, there is another memorial for George Floyd. Spent most of his life there in Houston. It's a six-hour public viewing. At a Houston church, and then the funeral and burial will be tomorrow. You saw the uh, headline out of Northern California over the weekend. A Santa Cruz County Sheriff's deputy was killed, and a couple of other law enforcement officers, I believe they were CHP, were wounded on Saturday. They had been ambushed by a guy who had been a member, I mean, I guess technically still is, but a member of the U.S. Air Force. Now they're trying to figure out if that same guy may have been involved with the shooting death of a federal officer outside the U.S. courthouse in uh, in Oakland a little more than a week ago. New York City gradually began reopening today, quite the turning point in this three-month-long coronavirus crisis. Stores previously deemed non-essential were cleared to reopen for delivery and pickup, though customers cannot yet browse inside. Construction, manufacturing, and wholesalers also received the go-ahead to resume work. I think it's safe to say you and I have massive problems with the idea of defunding the police uh, and even bigger problems with the abolition of police departments altogether. 
But one of the things. Well, and that it's I've, also an easy scapegoat, right? It's yeah, like totally. it, it's putting the 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 nastiness of racism squarely on the shoulders of law enforcement when it's a pervasive issue. Well, one of the questions is, it's like, what, you, you know, def- defunding the police doesn't make racism go away. Right. And and even if it does make people feel better uh, temporarily, it doesn't change what uh, people have been arguing about. So one of the questions that I've had was, what do you replace it with? And Black Lives Matter has put out um, some suggestions about what a defunded or abolished police department would be replaced with. Mental health responders would attend to mental health crisis calls in place of armed police. Okay, just that alone. That's, I don't have a problem with that. No. But we now know that police agencies, especially here in Southern California, this is one of the massive changes in their training is how to deal with people who are suffering from some sort of mental health crisis. Street outreach teams, more shelters and affordable housing to help stop homelessness and stop the homeless from being criminalized. Okay, well, Again, that exists feel, in well, L.A. already. That it's, exists. And also, didn't when did we pass that bond measure where we threw a bunch of money at the homeless problem and then nobody could figure out how to spend it? All they did was come up with new ways to, to call somebody homeless. Uh, I even heard uh, Chief Mike Moore over the weekend say the term houseless. Uh, In this case, they say traffic stops would be eliminated entirely. Traffic violations dealt with via mail. So you could run red lights and all that. You could do whatever the hell you wanted. Community members to attend domestic violence calls to help intervene and establish long-term safety for the individuals. Listen. If this this is a um, it's an interesting way to look at the potential for someone to defuse a domestic violence call. But if Marsha and Bob are fighting at home because Marsha's got a drinking problem and Bob has a gambling problem and they've constantly been at each other's throats physically. What do you think neighbor Trevor's going to do? Is he going to walk in and go, hey, guys, we should just calm down. Everybody take a breath. We'll, we'll just we'll talk through this. Everybody count to 10 slowly. Domestic violence calls tend to be the most dangerous calls for law enforcement officers. And the idea that a community member would be able to come in and help defuse that situation doesn't make a lot of sense to me. They say that there would be specialized physical and emotional support for victims of sexual violence. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. But it begs the question, would there be more victims of sexual violence if there was nobody to call and say, I'm being victimized? Well, they do say a couple steps down, they want to decriminalize sex work and they want to form an independent union to ensure that individuals have insurance, child care and safety precautions. That does that doesn't protect sex workers. The idea that that uh, decriminalizing it would allow them to sort of come out of the shadows They're still at risk. If you're a hooker on the street, you are at risk, period. I feel like this is not a good tactic to take. Um, That's just my opinion. If you come to the negotiating table with let's fix this, you're going to get more people to listen to you than let's get rid of all police. Because I think everybody 
wants to know what you would do if you needed help. There's, there's a yes. I, I think that's a point that is being missed. Is the ninety nine point nine percent of people who do not call the police on any given day are not going to have confidence that they're safe. And if you're in Minneapolis, why wouldn't you move? If you start, if you the, had the ability to, why wouldn't you get out of town? I think a great starting point um, that's feasible for a city as large as Los Angeles is get rid of proactive policing. Get rid of the broken windows theory of throwing more police at the communities that tend to see more crime Um, and and start there. I mean, when New York stopped proactive policing after the death of Eric Garner, they saw a decrease in crime. Well, Camden, New Jersey, we mentioned this. Camden has done this. Camden, the city of Camden, New Jersey, just across the river from Philadelphia, had one of the worst murder rates uh, in the late 90s into 2000, they changed the way they did policing, kind of. And I know it's being held up as an example of how you can do this, how you can abolish a police department. But, but you, you know can't... what they replaced it with? A police department. Yeah. Uh, and you can't really compare Camden to Los Angeles. No, not at all. Uh, just in terms of size. 73,000 is the population of Camden. All right. Gary and Shannon will continue. Just a moment. The U.S. Department of Justice has made a formal request to speak to Prince Andrew <laughs> as part of the Jeffrey Epstein investigation. Uh, started watching that finally last night, that Netflix show about Jeffrey Epstein. It looks pretty dark, depressing. It's not. It does not make you feel good about humanity. Yeah. And it makes you wonder just what it would take for someone to swallow their pride and confront somebody like that. I mean, they talk about, well, I don't want to give it away. I mean, the, well, I guess it's the whole story. Everybody knows the whole story yeah. anyway. But, you know, dozens of teenage girls were victimized by this guy and put into this position of this. Uh, they referred to it several times as like a, a sexual uh, a sexual pyramid scheme. Right. And that these girls were terrified about this, you know, about upsetting the apple cart and then realized that a lot of them lived in these lower income parts of West Palm Beach that – if they're ever going to get out of the situation they find themselves in from these broken homes, abusive relationships, bad families, the only way they're going to do that is with money. This guy gives them money. And just a, it's a dis, anyway, disgusting. And to see some of the um, attorneys who tried to pin him down in some of those depositions, one of the great moments in the show is when one attorney asks Jeffrey Epstein in a legal deposition when was the first time you realized that you were sexually attracted to underage girls? <laughs> like, you hear the room, just the air just gets sucked out of the room. And Jeffrey Did he take Epstein, the Fifth Amendment? Yeah. Yeah. He, he said uh, his attorney objected and then he responded naturally. And he goes, are you kidding? Like whatever, how, whatever his response was. And then repeatedly would take the Fifth Amendment. You know, Ugh, so he wouldn't have that's to so gross. It's a, it's a gross thing. But. 
later on, we're hoping to get uh, a reporter on to talk about uh, exactly what's going on um, with Jeffrey Epstein and Prince Andrew, et cetera. So in 2012, Camden, New Jersey there uh, was one of the most violent places in the country when you talked about crime per capita. Uh, They had 67 homicides in 2012. And they decided that same year that it was going to gut the entire police force along with the local union. Attempt at a do-over, they called it. It's a strange thing because they 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 did away with the Camden City Police Department, but replaced it with a county police department so that they could um, police other jurisdictions as well within that area. And it was going to be a regional police force run by the county. I, I mean, here we would call it a sheriff's department. They just considered it a county police department. And uh, there were a couple, you know, a couple ways to judge whether or not it was successful. First of all, it saved a lot of money. Part of it was because they were firing police officers that were making as much as $180,000 a year. Average, average police officers in Camden City were making $182,000 a year. Well, then the county rehired them, but just didn't pay them as much. Didn't pay them as much. So they're making less than $100,000 a year, according to the county figures. So the... You know, the the price tag for the city police department was about fifty five million when they turned it into the Camden County Police Department. It went down to about 30 million. Some people criticize this as just a way for politicians to bust the police union and get away with paying the officers less. Um, But they did see they did see some of those crime numbers go down. Well, in terms of homicides. Last year, there were 25. The year before, there were 22. But that's down from 67 in 2012. They said that compared with 2012, violent crime is down 42%. Now, I have a question. Yes, you, the redhead. If there's no police to call and report the crime to, right? did the crime not happen? Well, listen. I mean, is- it's kind of like the the... The coronavirus test. That's exactly what I was going to say. The more, you know, the the more spotlight you have on a thing, you have more thing, right? right. I mean, you, I could tell you I don't have any cockroaches in my house. Well, I've also never looked for cockroaches in my house or gotten up in the middle of the night and shine a bright light in the middle of the kitchen to see if there's cockroaches behind my, my refrigerator. Gross. I'm not coming over anymore. Well, listen, there's cockroaches that were living in the keyboard earlier. Today. There's a lot of stuff living in that keyboard. So not this one. It's brand new. Yeah, that's nice. I mean, there's not even boogers in this one. yet. The problem uh, that that comes with this is this version of what they did in Camden, New Jersey, doesn't look anything like what Black Lives Matter has been saying needs to replace a police department specifically in Minneapolis. For example, the one thing that we said was that traffic stops would be eliminated entirely under Black Lives Matter's plan uh, with traffic violations dealt with via email. In Camden, New Jersey, they're pulling over more people for traffic violations. Uh, and I mean simple things like headlights broken or lack of uh, 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 expired tags or something like that. I mean all of those things are being more heavily policed on that ground level, that proactive policing that you were talking about, maybe they should pull back from. That's what's going on now in Camden, New Jersey, different, uh, much more so than before. But the problems, like you alluded to before, the problems include Camden, New Jersey is a city of 73,000 people. 
Minneapolis is 400,000 people. L.A. is 4 million people. You cannot, in one fell swoop, defund or abolish a police department like that and then expect that fairies and unicorns will ride in and keep everybody safe. That's not the way it works. And you run the risk of everybody else deciding, well, if the police aren't going to help me, I'm going to take matters into my own hands. And I don't think anybody wants to see a spike in gun violence from neighborhoods being shot up. But I think that's a likely outcome. Well, I trust. Well, I mean, I don't have the same experiences with police that a lot of people that are in the Black Lives Matter movement do. But I trust the police officers armed more than I trust myself armed. I'll tell you that. Uh, I would say many people. Right. Trust. I mean, I have temper issues. (laughs) All right. uh, Treasure. Let's talk about the treasure. Uh, It's so fun. It is fun, except for all the people that died looking for it. How many people? So many people. Like a handful of people. Okay, so five. Okay. Okay, five people died from exposure in the desert at the same time. Gary and Shannon will continue. Shannon, KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. National Weather Service has issued red flag warnings for L.A. and Ventura counties through tonight. A little bit of a fire already this morning up in Castaic. Several uh, dozen acres, I think about 75 acres or so. Um, You don't have to continue to wear your fire turnout if you're a TV reporter. Fire's out. That guy was ridiculous this morning. I'm not going to name names, but the fire was out. It had been out for hours and he was quite a distance from said fire. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, and was wearing the turnout jacket. The one that's bright yellow. Like, it's never seen soot of any kind. If anything, just drag that behind the car. Uh, drag drag it behind the live van when you're leaving that dirt road. Get it dirty. New York City began reopening today. Um Stores previously deemed non-essential were cleared to reopen for delivery and pickup, although customers cannot yet go inside. Construction, manufacturing, wholesalers also received the go-ahead to get some work. I do have an update on our coffee issue, mm. uh, thanks to an astute listener who also happens to work here. His name is Brian Suits. He heard Handel spell the coffee this morning. Mm. So now we have a confirmed, admitted coffee spiller. So uh, the plane was about a th- uh, two-thirds full. Whoa, I just spilled my coffee. Good for you, Bill. Haven't done that in a while. Hold he's on. patting himself on the back for spilling oh, he's, his he's, coffee? Rolling back. He's Jones grabbing play his by play. I love that. Paper towels. All right. Wait. All right. It's on the keyboard, so that'll be a, a delight. All right. Someone's going to have a good time with that keyboard. Anyway. Wow. Uh, and that was wow. it. Wow. Listen. That what was, a D. It was four who hours ago. Who does that? And, and then he just left, left it. it for you. Like, who who does that? Who spills it an entire cup of coffee and a keyboard and then doesn't say anything about it? Well, he uses this computer, doesn't he? I don't know. Huh. Okay. And he's like, he was proud of it, though. Hold on. And he was proud that he was going to leave it for you. Rolling back. He's grabbing his paper towels. All right. 
It's on the keyboard, so that'll be a, a delight. All right. Someone's going to have a good time with that keyboard. Yeah. Anyway, uh, and that was it. It was a delight. When we're wiping down the studio and... And the keyboard leaked. The keyboard leaks massive puddles of mm-hmm. old brown coffee. There's going to be a conversation. I'm going to have a conversation with him. You got mad there for a second. Well, who does that? That's just rude. There's people for that. And he was like proud of it. Good Lord. Listen, somebody found Forrest Fenn's treasure. Forrest Fenn, you mean the 89-year-old guy who had a chest with gold and jewels and other valuables worth more than a million dollars? Yes, I don't mean Bluebeard. Forrest Fenn made the announcement yesterday. Someone finally found his treasure. If you remember, this was a guy, Forrest Fenn, who wanted to inspire people to explore nature. Said he wanted to give people hope affected by the Great Recession. So he took some of his riches in the form of, uh, I think it was jewels and coins and things, a million dollars worth, and buried them somewhere. And then published a poem in uh, his autobiography, The Thrill of the Chase, a 24-line poem. Hundreds of thousands have read the poem and have gone out in the remote corners of the U.S. West for this bronze chest. It's like uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Totally. When you were little, did you think that was real? Which part? The part with all the gold and the coins. Of course it was. Oh, you mean at the end of the the ride? Yeah. Of course. Okay. Um, Is there a part of you that still thinks it might be real? Well, what better way to hide your gold than to just put it in front of everybody? Right. What are they going to do? Think it's real? Or do they? Many people quit their jobs to dedicate themselves to search for this treasure. Some people depleting their life savings. At least four people have died looking for it. Well, you make it sound like. I shouldn't say that. I just say you make that sound like a bad thing. It is a bad thing that someone died to find it. But that's a good way to go. Uh, I'm a treasure hunt. I'm officially a treasure hunter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So they found it. And Forrest Fenn says that uh, the guy didn't want to be identified. The person who found it didn't want to be identified and uh, that he confirmed it by sending Forrest Fenn a picture of the treasure and of where he found it. And he said, yep, that's it. That's my treasure. Uh, Here's what was in there. Gold dust. Rare gold coins, gold nuggets, pre-Columbian animal figures, prehistoric mirrors of hammered gold, ancient Chinese faces carved from jade, Mm. and antique jewelry with rubies and emeralds. Well, I kind of feel like the person who found the treasure owes us all a look-see at the the stuff. I think it'd be fun. Yeah. We don't have to know who you are or where you are, but put those photos out there. I want to see the... Ancient Chinese faces carved from jade. We've done this story before in that we know that this treasure was out there, right? We've talked about it before, but I didn't realize that there was a map that he included with it. It's just a top view map, and it shows portions of Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, and New Mexico, and says Forest Fen's hidden treasure is somewhere to be found within the highlighted region of the Rocky Mountains on this map and the whole thing there. And then that is also where the the 24-line poem is. That is exactly, I guess, was was the thing had enough clues in there for somebody to actually find where the treasure was. So good for them.
Good for them. Good for them. All right, coming Everybody up next. needs a good treasure story every once in a while. Steve Gregory is our own treasure hunter, hunting the treasures of news in the greater Los Angeles area. Let's see if he finds a million-dollar treasure chest. Mm. Yeah, I know. We're stupid. Three more hours of this coming up next. If I break my heart and it doesn't mend, I'm going to be okay in the end. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Whatever happened to that movement to have uh, all-gender bathrooms? Remember we were just talking about the one in Philadelphia at the convention. Wasn't that a movement for a while? I have I have all-gender bathrooms in my home. So I do, too. I'm very progressive. Right. I think uh, when I started watching Ally McBeal is when I started uh, deciding that that was going to be a thing in my household. As for me and my home, we are going to have all gender bathrooms. So, okay. Yep. Uh, a couple things going on that we'll keep an eye on. Number one, Democrats have unveiled some leg- uh, legislation today that they say would overhaul police accountability. House and Senate Democrats um, are talking about th- this in response to the nationwide protests that we've seen. It's called a Justice in Policing Act. It would overhaul legal protections for police, create a database of excessive force episodes, set some new standards for police training, outlaw things like chokeholds nationwide. Public viewing for George Floyd is underway in Houston. A private memorial service is set for tomorrow morning. And then the Minneapolis police officer charged in George Floyd's death is supposed to make his court appearance today. First court appearance. So keep an eye on that. Steve Gregory has joined us. Good morning, you two. Good morning. Did you ever go try to find the treasure chest hidden in the Rocky Mountains? No, but we used to look for uh, Pigman down by the old honor farm. Who did that? Was like Chinese to me. I don't understand what that what that is. Like an urban legend. Pigman, like a place we would go to park and make out, and then there was always this urban legend that some guy would come and attack you while you were making out and, and kill you. And his name was Pigman. Yeah. What did he look like? Apparently he was half pig, half man. Pigman. So, huh. Where'd this music come from? I don't hear anything. What is this music? <laughs> oh, yeah, here it is. The legend of the Pigman. Yeah. Oh, he's terrifying. Do you see that? Look at his face. Does it look like a pig? Yes. Oh. But he's got teeth. Hence the, well, pigs do have teeth. So yeah. this is a, is this the sound? Here's the story. To man? Here's the story. The there was a hog farmer and a butcher who lived on the outskirts of Angola when he was inundated with work. That's not where Steve grew up. The butcher would impale the heads of butchered pigs along spikes on his driveway. Mm-hmm. Locals were fully aware of the butcher's bizarre "Do Not Disturb" sign and knew to leave him alone when the decapitated heads appeared. At least most people knew to leave him alone. A few teenagers decided to test the seriousness of the situation. And perhaps finding the butcher in a particularly foul mood were quickly beheaded for their troubles. <gasps> the teenagers' heads were reportedly impaled on stakes to warn off others. 
It's said that the butcher escaped into the nearby woods and was never found, but evidence that he's still lurking out there pops up from time to time. Yeah, and so uh, we'd be out there making out, and, uh, you know, what we didn't realize is that uh, kind of a coming-of-age ritual was that when you became a senior, you would have to go back out on those nights that you didn't have anyone to hook up with, and you would go terrorize people in the cars and scare like the you crap were pig out. Man. Wait a minute. So you were Pigman. I played a role in it at least once in my senior year. Whoa. That we would go back out on a Friday or Saturday night and find cars where people were making out, and we would just go scream and pound on their cars. Oh, my God. Who yeah. needs Forrest Fenn's treasure when we've got Pigman in that's person? I'm telling you. <laughs> what I really like is this Renaissance Fair band that's playing the background. <laughs> That's your storytelling music. Yeah. Yes. Uh, this is when we do story yeah. time. Steve's story, story time. time with Steve. Yes. That's that your song. That sounds like a felony. <laughs> 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 sounds like a felony. Gather around. It will show up. Yes, it will show up in court documents at some point. Wow. Um, now, okay, good luck on you two to segue. We talked last hour. Uh, Camden, New Jersey Police Department at one point was was completely dismantled. There has been a push in Minneapolis to abolish the police department of Minneapolis. And there are calls around the country, including here in Los Angeles, to defund the police, to, to at least lower the amount of funding that police departments would be getting and steer some of that money towards more programs, uh, more uh, community uh, programs for, for different disadvantaged communities around uh, whatever municipality you happen to be in. Eric Garcetti was one of those guys. Eric Garcetti was one of those who came out and suggested that, um, that he would defund the police department, the LAPD, and in the midst of all of that, made these comments in front of the first AME church. I got calls from mayors around the country, some of them saying, I'm so excited, and the other ones saying, what the hell did you do? Now I got to shift money. That's exactly the point. It starts someplace, and we say we are going to be who we want to be, or we're going to continue being the killers that we are. The killers that we are. Okay. Uh, needless to say, those police officers who are not killers took offense at that, as they should. God. And the L.A. Police Protective League, the uh, the police officers' union uh, for the rank and file, was pissed. I was going to say, you might as well, since I've never heard more profanity out of Eric Garcetti than I have in this last couple months. Profanity? Yeah. His level of profanity. Oh, like, gosh darn it. Well, no, you hear him now say, what the hell are you doing? I'm pissed. I mean, he 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 has never really said that in public. Those he did say things. the letters BS uh, two right? weeks ago. I when I asked to, an answer to my question right. about, yeah, I mean, so he's really ramping up. He's escalating his profanity publicly, which has been very interesting. He's showing his danger side. But that, you know, uh, it's one thing to also call for uh, police reform. For the mayor to also call for police reform, but to not support the officer. I'm not hearing any words of support for a lot of men and women. There are nearly 10,000 LAPD officers who decided to go into this line of work to help be the change, to help people, to protect people. Well, what was interesting is I know you played the uh, initial statement from Jamie McBride on Friday, who is a director of the Los Angeles Police Protective League, the, the primary union representing rank and file. But um, a couple of the things that you may not have heard, and um, Jacob, it'll be cut G on this one, um, was that basically it got personal. I had never heard the union go after a mayor like this, but it really got personal. 
It's a stark turnaround from the words he spoke only days ago, where he praised our officers for their dedication of service. His political pandering is shameful. He is not a leader. Leaders bring people together, bring positive change to address a crisis. Instead, Eric Garcetti panicked and blamed the men and women of the LAPD for his failed leadership. It's obvious that he now will do anything and say anything to get people to like him. Eric, you chose to inflame and divide our city further. That's a failure you can't take back. If you were in the academy and you exhibited these types of behavior, you would have been given the boot. You panicked, plain and simple, and now you're running scared. Uh, and, you know, you were talking about when the mayor made his comments. Well, there was also a motion that had been presented, and I, I think Shannon was going to read a part of that motion because that, that was sort of – that's where the teeth are when it comes to this. The motion has this paragraph included, a city's budget is a reflection of the government's values, principles, and priorities. For the last week, the people of Los Angeles, advocates and organizers across the city have demanded a reshaping of the city's budget. While a complete overhaul of the city's budget will take time, we can begin to slowly dismantle the systems that are designed to harm people of color. A preliminary cut to the LAPD budget will not solve everything, but it's a step in the right direction to become the city we aspire to be. So that's the city saying that the LAPD was designed to harm people of color. So in the Q&A portion on Friday, which you didn't get to hear, uh, I was asking uh, Mr. McBride or Detective McBride, with a 20-plus year career at the department, um, I was asking him about a vote of no confidence because I said typically following something like this, you get a vote of no confidence. Right. So in um, in cut F, um, I asked about whether they were going to do that against the mayor and or the chief. We lost confidence in his ability to, to manage this crisis, to keep the citizens of Los, Los Angeles safe. Um, so there's no vote of no confidence required. We've already lost the confidence in the mayor. This, did, did he get specific about the chief, though? Yes. When I asked about the chief specifically, they said they basically sympathize with the chief. They understand his position of being in the middle. Right. And they know that, you know, the, the chief's boss is the mayor and that and the chief works at the pleasure or excuse me, the chief works at the pleasure of the mayor. But to that end, one of the things that had been, you know, kind of where I needed more information on, and if you might recall last week we spoke about some of the rank and file had told me that they were frustrated on the during the events in the Fairfax district because business owners were upset at what they perceived as a delay in, in response and how they sort of stayed back in the wings and let their businesses get looted and destroyed. Um, they had told me that they had been told that all of that was the mayor's doing. The mayor did not want those bad optics of having – the you know the footage of going out there of the cops coming in heavy-handed uh you know going after people in who the presumably mid- were protesting heavy-handed police right and he didn't want those optics so i asked him this, again this detective uh, mcbride and this would be um this is cut d jacob but uh, i asked him whether or not that was true it's my understanding that um all the tactical situations so-called tactical situations out in the field um especially in the fairfax district was uh, was driven by the, the mayor's direction. That's pretty significant. Yeah. Uh, we'll come back. We'll continue this with uh, Steve Gregory talking about the uh, the new, I suppose, bigger rift between the mayor and the uh, L.A. police protective. Did well, you know that it wasn't just Angola, New York, where 
there was a pig man, but also in Denton, Texas, as well, where closer kids would go park with their dates. This is kind of like what Steve's story was around this. Kinda, it is. I was there. I lived it. Terrified teams. Steve is telling you his lived experience, and you're ignoring that. You're not listening to Steve. They said that that terrified teens would come back from their makeout sessions with stories of a grotesque pig man throwing rocks at their cars. Steve. Teens told of a humanoid creature with glowing red eyes. They never vandalized a car. Who traveled the area with a pack of aggressive, grunting boars. There, I did that. Did you have dogs I did dressed grunt. up as boars? I grunted, or did... but I never vandalized. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. Hawkinsville, Georgia is home to yet another pigman story. Well, I think Hawkinsville is a huge pork producing uh, place. This was a local man who trained pigs for the circus. He was a bit eccentric. <laughs> And he seemed to prefer the company of his pigs over that of people. One day, for reasons no one knows of, his herd of pigs went mad and killed him. And locals say if you visit Pigman Bridge at night, you can still see his ghost in the shape of a man with a pig's head. Pigman Bridge? Mm hmm. There's also a Pigman story out of Northfield, Vermont. This is the tale of a naked man with bald head and a pig snout who chases down young couples. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The pig man specifically targeted boyfriends, leaving girls to run home screaming and terrified. Some versions of the story describe your, the pig man. Your stomach or was that a. Is being covered in white hair or even wearing a rotting pig's head. Is that that Brian Suits audio from the other night? It all started in 1951 when a local teenager named Sam Harris went out the night before Halloween to get into mischief. He never came home, but soon afterward, the pig man became terri- uh, began terrorizing the area. Some say that Sam sold his soul to the devil and became the pig man. Others say he was the creature's first victim. <laughs> Jesus. Where did this... Why is it... A- you know, you started it. No, you exacerbated it. Yes, it's masturbated one. I'm just saying she, how she pronounces it. I have uh, alternate forms of pronunciation for some words. She's creative with the language. <laughs> and uh, believe, but believe me, when you're a teenager making out in the back of a car, and guys jump on the car and start rocking it and stuff, and they're screaming at you, you think you're going to die. I mean, there's already there's already enough pressure on you as it is in the back seat. You know, there's already enough pressure on a guy anyway. <laughs> I think we needed Steve in the Pig Man today. But, I think that's what we needed when we woke up this morning. Yeah. We didn't know we needed it. We didn't see it coming. But we're all you, better for it. I will give you breaking news right now. I just got District Attorney Jackie Lacey will not file charges for curfew violations and failure to disperse. That follows what the city had decided, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, okay. Well, okay. So now that would, um, would it, now that my it would be the city attorney. attorney. It wouldn't be the city attorney that deals District with that. Well, unless they were arrested in the county right. jurisdiction. County somewhere. jurisdiction. Yeah. But the. Um, uh, don't worry about the schedule, Steve. We know people. We can we can book you for another segment okay. uh, unless you have some somewhere to go. 
Yeah, I just got good some stuff on the news. Here's that. I'm uh, sorry for taking all your time. Here's the uh, the other story that you were going to tell us about was was it Monica Rodriguez that showed up at roll call? Yeah, uh, she and I. I don't know which division she showed up to. I only recognize the commander in the video, so I know it's in the valley somewhere, and I I don't know whether it's North Hollywood. I don't know what division it is, but it looks to me like it's a roll call of some sort, and. Uh, Monica Rodriguez had been one of those councilwomen. She tweeted out that, and it was simply just like, we're cutting $150 million from the LAPD budget. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty much it. And officers, and one of the things from Friday that, that I, we learned is that I asked the question, when did you find out or when were you notified about these potential cuts? And they said, we were never notified. Right. And I said, well, how did you know about it? And then the, the thing that Shannon read, the motion, it was posted by Nuri Martinez. They said that's the first they heard of it. So the, 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 the two primary unions had never even been given a courtesy call or a heads up. And I think that really upset them. You could tell in the room. You could feel the tension. In well, the especially if, if going forward they're supposed to come together over some conference table and talk about reforms that would be made to police training, to police agencies in general, to police equipment even – You'd want the union there. I mean, you'd want to continue to have well, yeah, a good because, relationship with them. Because everything that happens in the police department is going to impact the people that work right. there. Um, for better or worse, it's going to impact them. And I think the point was with the union is that at least bring us to the table, at least give us a courtesy call. And if you'd started with that, I don't think you would nearly have the, all of this very personal vitriol against the mayor well when we come back we'll play that sound uh, of what happened in roll call also i have great coronavirus news i don't think and i don't think we've said that for weeks the world health organization is changing what it was saying about people who are asymptomatic saying that it is very rare for somebody who doesn't have symptoms to spread this okay I quit now. Right. Yeah. They've changed that tune so many times. But this is, I mean, that's huge. Now will you go out to a restaurant? Well, wait a minute. Is this the same WHO that made some errors in the beginning and had to walk back? Is this China? <laughs> Just ask. Gary and Shannon will continue. I'm going to uh, hang on to this news. I, I agree with this news, and I am going to believe it to be true. Now it's your truth. It is my truth. Just like Pigman is Steve's truth. It Steve, happened. Please don't make noises it like happened. that. It happened. Phone. I didn't make this up. Gary Channel will continue. Red Rocks would carry a hatchet under her jacket and kill children. KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. People are sending me messages on social media about Pigman. Yeah. Well, what do you think was going to happen? Well, I just thought maybe no one was listening in this time part. Wow. I was hoping that no one was listening for the last half hour. Gary's going to F you up now. Oh, yeah, I'd like to see that. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to yeah. remind you that uh, the better part of the show is when they spill coffee Oh, everywhere. I just spilled my coffee. Good for you, Bill. Haven't done that in a while. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. He spilled all over, huh? Uh, yeah. And, and then, then he left, left it. it. He left it forever. He's back. He's grabbing his 
paper towels. All right. Where do we get this audio? Did we record this on someone's cell phone? Someone's going to have a good time with that keyboard. Anyway, uh, and that was it. He he didn't care. He just left it there. Like, if I spilled something on this keyboard, number one, I would clean it up or replace the keyboard. I wouldn't just leave it here for Ken. Ooh, no. I guess not. He would not be happy with that. Steve Gregory has joined us. We're talking about the... A lot of things, apparently. Ongoing... Well, first of all, we have established that Pigman is a thing. Mm-hmm. In several different places. And the lady with the axe from Red Rock, or whatever her name is. Red Rocks. Right. That's what I said. Um, but Steve has been talking mostly about this uh, very strained relationship, it appears, between city leaders and uh, the L.A. Police Protective League. And um, roll call can be a wonderful thing. Well, roll call is designed to sort of bring everyone up to speed, brief everybody on anything they need to know about before they go out into the field that day, you know, any kind of a shift. It's basically a briefing before shift. And – I'm not sure what shift this is and which division it is. I mean, it's, I can easily find out. I, at this point, it's it's irrelevant. It's I think this is pretty much the sentiment for most all of the sworn officers of the LAPD and even civilians. So in this um, cut here, A, um, this is a, a, a man who just got pretty fired up. So the setup is Monica Rodriguez, city councilwoman, who's also the chair of the Public Safety Committee for the L.A. City Council, she did a sort of a spontaneous drop by at one of these roll calls because she had sent out a tweet announcing the reduction, the potential reduction. Well, actually, she said, you know, we voted to reduce by $150 million. And that didn't set well with officers, obviously. And so she decided to stop by on a roll call. And she gave her, her speech basically saying that the issue was, and she talked about the fact that this was just part of an ongoing budget uh, sort of review. She didn't set it up that says, well, no, this is a very specific thing we're doing, and this is why we're doing it. What she was trying to present it is, oh, we're, we're trying to look at all areas to cut from. And the point that the cops had was like, okay, then why didn't you announce the other departments that right. the money's going to – why didn't you say fire department? Why didn't you say sanitation? Why did you have to specifically say we're cutting 150 from police? You know, that's the whole point. The, pro- the, the, the issue is simple. She didn't want to sit there and say in front of all these cops, well, because, you know, it's the political timing of everything. Right. And you could tell that in this conversation. So I have now extracted some of these comments uh, that these officers made toward the end of her, her um, discussion. This is cut A with this 23-year vet. We are here to warn the citizens. Uh, no, residents. no, no. This, this would be uh, Jake. Sorry. That's um, cop A. Cop A. The hardest thing in 23 years for me to watch was the city council yesterday making their statement that in essence said every single one of us are racist by the very uniform and badge we wear. And then the news pans out and it shows the outside of City Hall where the city council is making their statement. And what do I see outside? It's a mobile field force around City Hall protecting the very people that call us racist. That is the worst thing I've seen in 23 years, and I swear I hope in the remaining time I have left on this job, I never see it again. 
This was a link that was sent to me that was from a an inside group, and it was on it was social media. So the recording is coming off someone's phone, but. In this cut B here, when they're talking about cutbacks and stuff, this officer had a suggestion on where they should cut. How many council members currently have a protection detail at their residence? I don't know, but I know. Okay, we, if, maybe we find that out. We probably start by cutting those details. That probably turns So I don't know if you made that out. I'd say. Thing, Barely. Yeah, the first thing they should cut is the protection details mm-hmm. that each of the council members have. And and you hear Monica at the end say, well, to be clear, I don't have one. Um, so I do know some of the council folks do have protection details, including the mayor. Right. So like I guess that there was a suggestion there. But um, um, the uh, here's in this cut C here I'll play for you. And this is a female officer. And she uh, – I had to sort of reduce her comments down because she goes on for a little bit. But uh, she, she's pretty fired up. And what really happened, and I'm not sugarcoating it, no disrespect, is pandering. Yeah. You, fall, you, you bow down to Black Lives Matter. These police officers that are out here protecting the city, that protected it from being on fire, if it wasn't for them, this city would be burnt down right now. Now I'm with the mayor's office. That's it. There's a that that officer brought up something that that we talked about last week. That there's a great, um, I use the term. It's a great unflexed muscle uh, of people who have been relatively uh, quiet on the sidelines of all of this. Yes, there are thousands of people that march through Hollywood or Van Nuys or Santa Clarita, whatever, and they've and they've made their voices known. But there's also a great vast majority of people who. Understand that on an individual basis, there may be some people who are racist, but for the vast majority of the LAPD, they're not. And, and for the vast majority of the LAPD, they work in these communities. They've chosen, like you said earlier, Shannon, to, they've chosen this job out of the right heart, out of the, the sentiment that they want to serve their community. And they may want to be the guardians for those that are weaker. They may be at times who have to be the warriors that are going to come in and protect us from bad people and those types of things. But that the that that politicians are the ones that are not listening to that. They're 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 being swayed by the loudest voices in the room, which right now are justifiably loud. It's not that anybody denies that. It's just that they are the loudest ones in the room. Meanwhile, the other four, you know, three point seven million people in the in the city of Los Angeles 
do not want to see their police department dismantled I just or think even it's, defunded. It's a non-starter. In a city with four million people, the idea of not having a police force is a non-starter. You know, if you want to have the conversation about limiting proactive policing and have that conversation. Um, but I I would like there to be a buffer between me and the really, truly bad people out there. There are a lot. There's a lot of evil. And, and just ask anybody who wears a badge. Is there a um, I, I mean this in a respectful way. Is there a woman aspect of that as well? My wife had yeah, said that a couple of times. Like totally. just being a woman. Totally. There's you want to know that there are people there to help protect you. Yes. A hundred percent. Well, it's a very emotional time and and as you can help these cops uh, i think you can have a conversation about racism and and how to put more money into social program programs for some of our most um disenfranchised neighborhoods people that feel like they haven't been heard i feel like there's a way to do that and also have a uh a police force i don't think it's got to be one or the other well actually i i think the point the cops are trying to make is that the cops need to be a part of that. Yeah. And it's not that they need to be separate from that. And here's the thing. The LAPD, you know, we've been covering this now for as long as we've been here. And we've seen this department evolve. I mean, there was a hats and bats mentality when I first got to L.A. And it's changed drastically in 15 yeah. years. Even in just those 15 years, not counting the 28 years. Right. If you go back to the Rodney King riots or 1965 to the Watts riots. And I'm not saying there aren't issues and problems. There will always be issues and problems with both and let's not forget the L.A. County Sheriff's Department. They have their own issues, too. Sure. And we always focus on LAPD because it's the most high-profile you know, agency in the country when right. it comes to law enforcement. And all the agencies, a lot of agencies in America follow suit. So whatever the LAPD does, they think it's, okay, if they're doing it, we can do it. It'll work. And by the way, the LAPD has invested millions and millions of dollars in, com- in community policing programs and in progressive policing programs. And Charlie Beck, the former chief, was big on that. He, in fact, he pissed off a lot of uh, SWAT officers and uh, Central Division people because he made them go back out on the street and patrol and walk and and get to know the community again. Um, he he upset a lot of people because he wanted more people out on the street. So they are a progressive police department. In you know when you look at it, it is a very progressive policing department. Also, I would add. It's the department that's had the most federal consent decrees against it than of any other law enforcement agency. It's got more scrutiny against it than any other law enforcement agency. The last thing they want to do is screw it up. And and then the other we forgot we've forgotten what the other demand was, and it was to uh, empty out all the prisons too. So like, if somebody is molesting a child, who do you call and where do you put that person? You just let them continue. Uh, Molesting a child. Or like I said earlier, everyone has a gun and you just shoot him on the spot. If, if my husband kills me, then what happens to him? Does he just continue? Li- like, does he? who does he call to remove the body? And then does he just continue to live his life? <laughs> Wait. I'm just curious when, when like there's real evil out there, you yeah. know, and if you don't have a police force or you don't have prisons, what do you do with that evil? It's ignorance of human nature. If you want to get rid of drug uh, charges, right. that's a conversation. Let's have that conversation. But just willy-nilly getting rid of all of it, it just is not feasible. We don't live in a society full of good people. There are a lot of bad people out there. I'll be inter- interested to see how Minneapolis handles it. Gary and Channel will continue. Just 
Farmers and Distillers Dining Room and Patio are now open and accepting reservations. They're following all the government guidelines so you can choose to dine out safely or if you want to stay in, they've got you covered. You can order for curbside pickup or delivery online at FarmersAndDistillers.com. They're also still offering a robust one-stop shop founding farmers market and grocery for all your daily grocery needs. Offerings include fresh produce, a prepared foods market, whole bakery, butcher and deli, house-churned ice cream, house-roasted coffee, wine, beer and more. Visit FoundingFarmersMarket.com to order. Same-day delivery available. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard. This summer, we'll be traveling at an altitude of approximately two feet in a brand new Nissan. We invite you to enjoy the available panoramic views, premium seats in all rows, and connected tech while avoiding baggage fees, layovers, and neck pillows. So fasten your seatbelts and enjoy nonstop routes to summer because the best way to travel this season is in a new Nissan. And now is the best time to buy at the Nissan 4th of July sales event. Save up to 3500 on the 2020 Nissan Rogue or get 0% APR financing on 13 models. Nissan, innovation that excites. For well-qualified buyers, 3500 on 2020 Rogue consists of 3000 cash back and 500 bonus cash. Available on purchase. Must purchase from new dealer stock. See dealer for financing details. Call 1-888-858-8319 for offer and safety information details. Offers in 76-2020. moment. Here's the thing. You just don't have to lie about it. Just don't lie about it. Um, like, you stop it. I'm going today to okay. see if it's open. Okay. I know exactly where you were going with that. I've just... Gary I, and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. I just my, remember my the governor his. saying that barbershops are back open. My son got his yesterday. If that's a thing, you know. Uh, my wife said he looked like Rachel Maddow. Which I don't think was a compliment, but I'm not. I'm not certain. Uh, we have seen already one fire today. It's going to be windy. In fact, the wind uh, has caused the wind and the dry weather have caused the National Weather Service to raise red flag warnings for LA and Ventura counties through tonight. Um, water dropping helicopters had to come in and uh, put down a fire up in the Castaic area. About seventy seventy five acres is where it was, where it started and stopped. Uh, but that was we kind of got lucky because it. Could have been much worse than that. So uh, that's a uh, that's one of those places I feel like a pigman uh, rumor would get get some legs is up in Castaic. Oh it's yeah, just just urban enough. I mean, I know it's suburbia, but it's just urban enough. There's just enough wildland that if you saw something that looked like half man, half pig. Yeah, you'd you'd be frightened. I also feel like it's more of a wild boar than just a pig. You know, like a because because some of the descriptions of pig man right. sound more like a boar with the tu- the tusks and everything. Yeah, with the, the they are teeth sticking out. They are mean, mean creatures. Yes, they they'll are. They'll kill you. Uh, they may not eat you, but if they stick you with one of their teeth or their tusks, they'll put the. They'll put an infection in you you ain't getting rid of. I mean, 
the teeth in those things. It's less like a domestic pig and more like a wild boar pig man. That's what you've decided? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. We have all of our trending stuff. We're going to get to another small business shout out. We got Swamp Watch to get to. Still so much show. Wild and boar man. All of our pig man updates that are still yet to come. No, we're done with that. Are you certain? No. I feel like there will be more time for us to talk. I, about I think you're right. Talk about pig man. Oh, my God. Oh, damn it. Well, they told me that in the So she got one arm and no legs. I see that. And she has uh, cerebral palsy. Oh, okay. And she just won. That was a hell of a, a hell of a shot. Serve or return? Return of the thing. That's what uh, that's what table tennis is all about. <clears throat> Olympic table tennis. That's what we have to watch now because there are no other sports. Good news out of a news bra- uh, briefing from Geneva. The head of the World Health Organization's Emerging Diseases and Zoonosis Unit says that from the data we have, it seems to be rare that an asymptomatic person actually transmits the corona to a secondary individual. She said it's very rare. She says we have a number of reports from countries who are doing very detailed contact tracing They're following asymptomatic cases, they're following contacts, and they're not finding secondary transmission onward. We've solved it. They say, of course, they need more data to uh, make sure, but so far from the data that they do have, it is very rare if you don't have symptoms to transmit that thing. Well, that's the best news we've had on Monday in a long time. Seriously. What else is going on? Time for What's Happening. Derek uh, Chauvin, the former Minneapolis police officer charged with causing the death of George Floyd, made his first official court appearance today. The judge set bail at least at a million dollars. It's, I think, a million and a quarter without conditions, a million with conditions. Uh, At this point, they haven't said if he is planning on bailing out. Um, appearing for the prosecution was uh, was Matthew Frank, a prosecutor, I guess, is well known in that area. The three other officers are all charged with aiding and abetting murder and manslaughter. Uh, all three former officers made their first court appearances last week and are being held with uh, bail at about a million bucks. Um, the, I, the fact that this guy is in and out of court very quickly, he's going to go back to and stay very safely tucked away in extreme protective custody in jail. Um, I don't know, good or bad, whatever you choose, but that's uh, that's where he is. But again, no word on whether or not he's planning on making bail. Congressional Democrats have introduced a police misconduct reform bill today. Nancy Pelosi dismissing calls to defund the police. Was this where she was kneeling with everybody else? Yeah, they did hold a moment of silence at some point uh, there in in an, 
area of the Capitol building that allowed them to socially distance while they did that. She said today with the Justice and Policing Act, the Congress is standing with those fighting for justice and taking action. We cannot settle for anything less than transformative structural change, which is why the Justice and Policing Act will remove barriers to prosecuting police misconduct. Asked if she supports defunding the police, she said Democrats want to work with our police departments. She said there are many who take pride in their work. Well, listen, she's smart enough to know that the words defund the police will not be a winner when you get into November. Uh, Joe Biden's uh, campaign, by the way, came out with a statement that said that Joe Biden does not support defunding the police. He may in general, but their statement from the campaign is that he does not support defunding police. Federal prosecutors in New York have formally requested to speak with Prince Andrew as part of their criminal investigation into Jeffrey Epstein and his history of abusing girls. It's kind of like a subpoena. Yeah, even though uh, Prince Andrew, at least in the British tabloids today, is saying there were three times I officially reached out to investigators and said I would cooperate with any investigation they have. The FBI has said that uh, Prince Andrew has repeatedly rebuffed any sort of ability to come in and question. There was a weird thing. I started watching the Jeffrey Epstein um the Netflix special. The Netflix. It's Dirty Money, I think is what it's called. Anyway, it's all about Jeffrey Epstein, the allegations against him. And there are a, a couple of weird things about it. Number one is that they keep showing him with Donald Trump. And I know – I get it. I mean, okay, you want to paint those two in the same light. But never is Donald Trump actually mentioned by the people when they when they went through the list of famous people that Jeffrey Epstein used to hang out with. Nobody says Donald Trump. They just have the pictures of him that they keep showing over and over again. Uh, but they do mention people like Prince Andrew and Bill Clinton and things like that. Anyway, uh, the other thing was that Tom, Thomas Patterson, the author, what's his name? Patterson. Anyway, he's one of the producers in the show, but I guess he was a neighbor of Jeffrey Epstein in Palm Beach. So he's interviewed over and over again about well, the kind of lifestyle about what Palm Beach is. Just Ugh. an odd, odd thing. Um, uh, Brevard County Fraternal Order of the Police uh, posted a deleted advertisement over the weekend calling on any officers involved in violent incidents in Buffalo or Atlanta to join the ranks of local police agencies. Hey, Buffalo 57, Atlanta 6, we are hiring in Florida. Lower taxes, no spineless leadership or dumb mayors rambling on at press conferences. Plus, we got your back. (laughs) The largest organization of sworn law enforcement officers in the country is what uh, FOP is. The the CrossFit CEO has apologized for an insensitive tweet about George Floyd. Saying that he made a mistake by the words that he chose. The issue started on Saturday when the Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation, a research center, tweeted racism and discrimination are critical public health issues that demand an urgent response, along with the hashtag Black Lives Matter. And he responded, it's Floyd-19. In another one, he said, uh, another tweet, "You fa- uh, your failed model quarantined us. Uh, IHME is the one that is out of University of Washington that's been putting out these models. Your failed model quarantined us, and now you're going to model a solution to racism. So, just... It's amazing how many people do not mind being a-holes. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, you can, you just don't have to be an a-hole publicly. That's part of it. You can keep it to yourself. 
Nobody has to know how much of an a-hole you really are. <laughs> Sorry. That's the problem with a-holes. Yeah. They usually reveal themselves. Oh, you mean like this one? Sit down. Gary and Shannon will continue. You're so gross. Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Bottom of the hour, we'll talk more about this legislation that was introduced today by Democrats in Congress called the Justice in Policing Act, overhauling some uh, legal protections that exist for law enforcement officers, create a national database of excessive force episodes, uh, set some new standards for police training, that sort of thing. Also, uh, a 24-year-old man has now been charged with the murder in the uh, death of a retired St. Louis Metro Police Department captain. If you remember this story, um, Officer Dorn, uh, David Dorn, was killed while he was protecting his friend's pawn shop from looters last week. So a 24-year-old guy faces a count of first-degree murder, one count of first-degree burglary, count of unlawful possession of a firearm, two counts armed criminal action, um, being held without bail. And a 27-year-old, I guess, was also there, charged with first-degree burglary, armed criminal action, and stealing, both of them being held on uh, on uh, tens of thousands of dollars bond. Small business shout-out time. This time around, we're talking to Victory Tax Lawyers. Uh, Parham Korsandi is the owner of uh, Victory Tax Lawyers. First of all, Parham, thanks for taking time for us today. I've uh, been a long-time listener of KFI and, and the Gary and Shannon show, so it's, it's an honor to be on. Oh, appreciate that. An honor. That makes it sound very professional. So. Yeah, we're not professional. <laughs> um, so uh, I have to be, though. This is true. Yes, you do. You have a very serious job. Um, how has this been affecting the IRS and, and what you do? Uh, so basically, the, the COVID in general has affected the IRS on, on, I would say, two major fronts. The first is something that's been in the news a lot, which is the automatic extension of the filing uh, and due date for payment on the tax return. So that affects, you know, hundreds of millions of Americans a year. And now there's an automatic extension from April 15th to July 15th. uh, And then that's been around. Uh, So everybody gets that extension and everybody should file and pay by July 15th. I think that is one huge thing that we've heard about. The second thing, which is kind of behind the scenes, is the staffing at the IRS. Uh, right now, you know, portions of the IRS are open, portions are closed. Uh, the collections division is still around, but not operating in, in full gear. Uh, and so a lot of the agents are working from home. Uh, a lot of the agents don't have access to all the files. So really, it, it's a lot of the IRS staff members uh, are not working their normal hours or be able to go into the office into the office so so that's having a major effect well if we so the deadlines are pushed back by a couple of months is that going to cause an issue several months from now as people start to re uh kind of figure out what they're going to do for the 2020 tax year for for the uh, middle of uh, april absolutely absolutely so the way that we think about it is really you know we're going to see a lot of first time uh taxpayers that are going to fall into a a category where they're going to have issues with the IRS Uh, because people who had saved up money to pay their their taxes in 2019, those people now are probably using that money that they saved for the IRS to, to, you know, buy groceries and food and they're using that savings component. 
so we have those people that are going to have issues. Then other people who, who may have already paid into the 2019 year are not going to be able to pay in for 2020, the current year that we're in now. So we have the 2019 issues and the 2020 issues. Almost everybody's getting affected by COVID. Almost everybody has some type of income change. So we're going to see a whole new fresh batch of people that were compliant for many, many years now in a situation where they're going to be first-time taxpayers that are going to owe the IRS money and not know what to do. Oh, that's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what what happy things can you tell us about Parham? well, uh, the good news is is that there are places like our firm that can that can help with these things, and, and not just to, to you know say hire us and everything. All of our consultations are free, uh, and they're all with licensed attorneys. And even if we can help you and you can come on board and be a client of ours or not, uh, there is access out there for places like Victory Tax Lawyers and other places where uh, if you think you may have an issue or, or, or you know, you think that you know, something may be wrong or you just want to ask questions, there definitely is places outside of the IRS for you to be able to get those questions answered. So I would say the silver lining in all this is that, you know, there's a lot of material online and a lot of material that you can find to get yourself knowledgeable. It's not like it's a big secret. So the more research you do, the better. Uh, and there are places like us that will have free consultations with attorneys to answer these questions for people. All right, Victory Tax Lawyers, you can find them at victorytaxlaw.com. Appreciate your time for us. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks for everything you do. You bet. Param Karsande there from uh, Victory Tax Lawyers, victorytaxlaw.com, like Shannon said. When we come back, we'll get into Swamp Watch. We have some issues to discuss specifically about this new legislation that uh, the Democrats in Congress are talking about. It's called the Justice in Policing Act, And we've heard a lot about defunding the police, even the abolition of certain police departments. This doesn't do either one of those. It just overhauls some of the laws when it comes to law enforcement officers themselves, agencies in general, uh, would create a database for excessive force, use of force episodes, and new standards for police training. So when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about each of those things and what it means going forward. Yep, We will go live to Washington. Gary and Shannon. KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeart Radio app. A judge has set a million-dollar bail for the officer. A million and change, isn't it? 1.25? It's a million and change without conditions or a million with conditions. Right. This is the officer charged with the second-degree murder of George Floyd. He said almost nothing this former officer did during the 11-minute hearing. He appeared on closed-circuit te- uh, TV from the state's maximum security prison. Uh, good news coronavirus-wise, a couple of things. The uh, World Health Organization says it's uh, hard for asymptomatic people to spread the coronavirus. That's, That's good. The other thing is that New York City has begun its reopening, a turning point there in their crisis. And the, the test of discipline is the way they're describing it. Stores that were deemed non-essential have been cleared to reopen, but only for delivery and pickup. I uh, can't go into those stores yet, but construction, manufacturing, wholesalers all received the go-ahead to get back to work there in New York City. Excellent um, news. It's time for Swamp Watch. 
drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Well, as protests continue across the country, uh, the congressional Democrats introduced some police misconduct reform legislation today. Andrew Dimbert joins us now from Washington with all of the latest. Andrew, what's going on? Hey, how's it going? Yeah, we are talking about the Justice and Policing Act of 2020, which was officially unveiled here by Senate and House Democratic leaders. And basically, it is what's being considered the most comprehensive police reform bill, perhaps in this nation's history. What it would do is create a national police misconduct registry. It would ban chokeholds of any kind, despite chokeholds being banned by most uh, police departments around the nation. It would aim to demilitarize police. It would make lynching a federal crime. And it would also include mandatory racial and implicit bias training programs for all law enforcement officers. Now, it seems to me, I mean, we living here in the shadow of the Los Angeles Police Department, a bunch of those things are already in place in some of the larger police departments around the country, aren't they? Yeah, they are. And that's why some of these other points are really critical as well, such as this registry of federal law enforcement officers that would, for example, gather misconduct complaints, discipline and termination records and hold them in a federal database. So it would discourage the hiring of police officers with problematic records in other jurisdictions. Far too often, uh, there are stories and cases where police officers do get fired for misconduct and they just kind of pack their bags, go across the street to another police department and are hired again um, relatively easily. And so those sort of aspects are, are new. And this legislation is sure to face challenges, not only from the law enforcement community, but it's still unclear how many Republicans would support this legislation as it's currently written. Also addressing the shooting of Breonna Taylor uh, with the getting rid of the no-knock warrants in drug cases. Right. And that is probably going to be difficult to pass, especially when this does face resistance from the law enforcement community. And look, most pieces of legislation hardly ever pass on their face value the first time that they are introduced. There is going to be Republican input. And remember, the GOP-led Senate uh, would also have to agree to this measure. And what we're hearing is that they're expected to take up a more limited proposal here, although some Republicans are also calling for some of the same things that Democrats want as well, which is improving police training, increasing officer-related shooting data. And they also seem to agree, Democrats and Republicans here, at least on uh, on the surface, is that they think it should be easier to get rid of officers, fire officers who are repeatedly charged with misconduct because uh, most of the time unions and collective bargaining contracts make it very difficult in some cities to terminate officers. So here in D.C., there is... A growing sense that that at least needs to change as well. Andrew Dimbert has joined us from Washington talking about the new uh, police misconduct reform bill introduced by Democrats today. Uh, you you startled me when you told me that lynching is not a federal crime. That's right. It is not a federal crime. In fact, there was a piece of legislation just last week that was introduced, I believe, by Senator Cory Booker out of New Jersey, and they wanted to fat, lawmakers wanted to fast track making lynching a federal crime, and to do so needed unanimous consent in the Senate. However, they did not do so. They did not get that unanimous consent. There was one lone senator who held that up, 
and that was Rand Paul from Kentucky because he wanted to introduce an amendment. He thought that the language was a little bit too broad. And because of that, the future of that specific bill is unclear because then lawmakers have to vote on the amendment and they have to have another round of debate, send it back to the House, then back to the Senate, where it could have been fast-tracked to the president's desk. So Rand Paul stood in the way of that. Here, it's once again introduced as an element in this overall Justice in Policing Act of 2020. Defunding the police has been a conversation that has been had, and uh, Pelosi was asked about it today, said she was not in favor of it. Did anybody say that they were? She was a little noncommittal on that, but based on some of the proposal language here that circulated, especially over the weekend, uh, there are parts of this legislation that look to champion what many protesters have been calling for, a sort of defunding of police and actually incentivizing police departments. Uh, for example, funds could be connected to protocols that discourage racial profiling. And here with this legislation, federal funding for local police could be tied to them following some of the rules here, basically perhaps giving more money to local police or state and um, and local police here if they do ban chokeholds and other lethal detainment holds. So not a true tried and true defunding, but perhaps reworking the way we look at funding for states and local police. Andrew Dimbert from Washington. Great information. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, again, the the issues of uh, for, lynching is not a federal crime right now. That's such an amazing. That's amazing. There's a, there's a number of laws that are, remain on the books in various different places that are uh, extremely embarrassing. Um, and also, the transfer of those military grade equipment uh, pieces to police departments. I remember after um, uh, after the riots that were born out of Michael Brown's death in Ferguson. That was one of the issues that Barack Obama tried to get past was uh, to try to reduce the militarization of some police agencies, even though the military had a bunch of surplus equipment that what are you going to do, sell it to Canada? Canada's got their own stuff. I mean, they at least had this ability to repurpose some of it and, and send it to police departments for, you know, a great price. But uh, I'm amazed that that's coming back up Uh restricting the transfer of military-grade equipment to police departments. Gary and Shannon will continue. More Swamp Watch to tell you all about when we return. We're talking about the... uh, about the fact that lynching wasn't a federal crime. And I was reminded of all the places that still have those sundown laws. And not just the Jim Crow South, you know, the whole don't let the sun go down on you in this town. There are thousands across the United States with those laws still on the books. That just have never repealed them, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. We will, at the top of the hour, go live to um, uh, to Ryan Burrow with ABC News and KFI. The officer involved in the uh, George Floyd death back uh, two weeks ago now, if you can believe that, two weeks ago, made his first court appearance today. Ryan's going to update us on that. And then next hour, oh, a uh, quick thing. Yes, the boss is listening because she corrected me uh, 
Filthy Rich is the name of the Jeffrey Epstein uh, documentary on Netflix. And James Patterson is the author. Of the Get it right. Ever. Sorry. And that also, just so you know, the boss is listening. So mind your P's and Q's. Um, but at the bottom of next hour. I wonder if hour, she heard the whole pig man thing. Mark Remillard is going to join us <laughs> uh, about um, – he is the host of a Jeffrey Epstein podcast called Truth and Lies. And we'll discuss what's going on with Prince Andrew because – in the British papers, Prince Andrew has been out today saying, I've offered three times to come to, the, to New York and answer questions from the FBI. <laughs> and they've said, no, 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 no. We keep asking you. You keep finding some way to hide from us. So we'll talk about that at the bottom of next hour. Um, we are in the middle of Swamp Watch. Talk about what's going on in Washington, D.C. You mentioned the term defunding uh, of police and whether or not Nancy Pelosi was in favor of it. Joe Biden's came out today. Uh, campaign came out today with a statement that said that Joe Biden does not believe in defunding the police, but instead says that there needs to be urgent reform. Now, it's a popular argument to have in a place like California, but it is wildly unpopular of a platform to adopt when you look at the battleground states. Yeah. Listen, this argument of if... If Democrats are going to run on a defund the police platform going into November and we still have any hint of civil unrest, they're not going to win. They're not. That is not a winning thing for this vast unflexed muscle of the middle of the country that has not been um, impacted necessarily by the very large scale protests and then the 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 violence that came with those atlanta mayor keisha lance bottoms is being vetted as a running mate (laughs) two sources uh with knowledge of the discussions confirmed to politico also uh florida representative val demings former orlando police chief has confirmed that she's being vetted as well really so if you have Women, um, women of color who are going to stand up and also say that they don't agree with police being defunded. How powerful will that be? Well, and I don't know. Um, I don't know what Keisha Lance Bottoms has said about defunding the police department. Although, I mean, she's been she's been uh, one of those people who was out there. We talked about her last week, um, just in terms of the fact that she has been. A very uh, strident voice of protest all you want. You cannot burn down our city uh, was the way that she wanted, you know, the way that she spoke about it and the way it was received by a lot of people. Uh, this was her from a couple, from last week. Uh, oh, you mean this? I have to turn this on? I blame Handle for spilling coffee on it. Above everything else. Oh, now I got all this stuff going on. What's someone's making noise? Oh man! Above everything else, Keisha Lansbottom. I am a mother. I am a mother to four black children in America. One of whom is 18 years old. And when I saw the murder of George Floyd. I hurt like a mother would hurt. Now, the the issue that comes with Keisha Lance Bottoms as a potential running mate for Joe Biden is she's the mayor of Atlanta. And 
I don't know if anybody's going to believe that that's enough experience to go from, <laughs> I mean this in the best way possible, to go from Atlanta to the White House. Because if you're voting for Joe Biden, you're taking that John McCain bet that a lot of people took 12 years ago, where you were pretty certain that John McCain was not going to live out his term as president if he were to be elected. I still can't get over the pick of Sarah Palin. Well, I, that's got to play. Cannot get over it. And that's got to play into to the Biden campaign's thinking of yeah. who they're going to choose because Joe Biden, or I'm sorry, John McCain went out on a limb and chose somebody that they that he thought was going to help was going to help him. Uh, but I think if you did the entire math on the whole thing, they would have realized that somebody with a lack of experience like that was, you know, as fun as she might have been and attractive and a female and the who did she call herself? The bear, mama bear, whatever it was that eventually went to a greater negative than it did a positive uh, when you're trying to win over some of those moderates. So, well, Val Demings, the other Biden uh, option who is being vetted, former Orlando Police Department chief, she says on law enforcement and recent videos um, that they're extremely troubling when it, when you're talking about how law enforcement's re- reacting to protesters. She's called for legislation to back more officer oversight training and looking at those use of force policies, hiring patterns, diversity within police departments. So she hasn't talked about defunding uh, the police either. Um, one of the issues that also keeps coming up in Washington, D.C., was what happened outside Lafayette Square when the protesters were cleared out so that the president could do the walking tour to the church, hold up his Bible for the photo op. Kaylee McEnany at today's uh, White House press briefing said there's no regrets on the part of this White House. I'd note that many of those decisions were not made here within the White House. It was Attorney General William Barr who made the decision to move the perimeter. Monday night, Park Police had also made that decision independently when they saw all the violence in Lafayette Square. Still going back and forth about whether chemicals were used, if it was tear gas or if it was OC spray or pepper balls. Uh, But for the most part now, the National Park Police uh, did say we did not use tear gas. But also said, but we did use chemicals to try to disperse the crowd, uh, just not tear gas. It's it's an an odd thing. Yeah, it's an odd thing to be able to argue that you didn't use tear gas, but you did use chemicals. All right, coming up next, we will go live to the Midwest. It looks like that former officer charged with the death of George Floyd has appeared in court. We'll tell you everything you need to know. Getting some blowback for uh, her apparel today. It's called a kente, is that right? I believe so. Yeah. Now, they were given out by the Congressional Black Caucus, but it did look like political theater. Totally. To have them wear this and then take a knee. It's a very ornate, uh, it's a traditional, would you call it a scarf almost? Yeah. Uh, that you wear around your your neck and shoulders. Best-selling author Roxanne Gay said, I'm not sure what's funnier, these ridiculous politicians wearing Kenty cloth or Cory Booker smartly opting out of that absurd performance. (laughs) Very smart. Uh, 
We mentioned that uh, the Democrats unveiled today some legislation. They call it the Justice in Policing Act. Again, it's just a first draft at this point, but things like overhauling legal protections for law enforcement, uh, national database of excessive force episodes, and new standards for uh, police training, et cetera. So as that legislation goes through the normal course of uh, of what is Capitol Hill, we'll bring you any of the updates on it. Well, the officer who has been charged with the death of George Floyd appeared in court today. One of the officers, Ryan Burroughs, covering this and joins us now. Uh, pretty brief hearing, right, Ryan? Yeah, 11 minutes long. This was uh, former officer Derek Chauvin. He's the one seen in the video putting his knee on George Floyd's neck. Uh, he is also the only one of those four officers charged with second degree murder. And uh, what we learned today was uh, that he is uh, basically the bail is set at one and a quarter million dollars. That's unconditional bail. One million dollars with conditions, including he has to surrender his firearms. Uh, he must be actively supervised if he's able to uh, post bail and he can't leave the state without permission. Um, we didn't hear much from him. He answered a few of the judge's questions. He actually appeared via video link uh, from about 25 miles away from the courtroom where he's uh, being housed right now at a state prison facility, maximum security, uh, where he is also under suicide watch. Um, but yeah, it was uh, you know a pretty brief hearing. His attorney didn't speak at all. Uh, to the charges or their defense at all, as we heard with the three other officers, you know, where where the attorney came out afterwards and said, you know, it was it was Chauvin. He was he was the guy who was the ringleader of all of this, not our guys who were uh, pretty new to the force. So uh, we didn't really hear anything from them in those regards. He'll be back in court June 29th. Uh, outside of that June 29th appearance, do we have any sort of very basic framework of what this looks like going forward the next couple of months? You're talking about what the what a trial would look like? Yeah, before? the timing of it. I mean, when it's probably too early for that, but not before the end of the year, not before Election Day, for example. It, it certainly seems to be months away, uh, if not well into 2020, from everything we're hearing from uh, attorneys and legal experts. Yeah, this, this is not something that will be uh, considered or fixed for a while. And to be honest with you, I don't know if that works to the advantage or the disadvantage of the prosecutor in this case who's already been asked, look, are you going to be able to get a fair jury pool after all that's gone down over the last two weeks? Are you going to be able to find a, a jury that's going to take this case? Are you going to be able are you going to have to move this out of the county, out of the state? I mean, where where would the best place be to have this trial? And I think that that's something that's going to be debated for several weeks, if not months, um, you know, to, to hone in on, on where a fair trial would be able to take place. Where do we stand with the protesting in, in Minneapolis? Still daily protests. You saw what happened last weekend. Uh, I think it was Sunday when uh, the mayor uh, came up to speak and they basically shouted him down and told him to go home because he right now is not in favor of abolishing the police department, which it sounds like nine of the 12 city council members are in favor of at this point. Now, we don't know of any kind of replacements. Uh, basically, what they came out and said is they want to end policing as they know it to recreate a system of public safety that actually helps keep us safe. They call the Minneapolis Police Department failed. They call them toxic. They want them to go away. But what does that mean? I mean, is it going to be lawlessness on the streets with the county takeover? If you witnessed something or you were a part of something and you picked up the phone and called 911, 
who would respond? Um, you know, there there are discussions that well, maybe we take that money and allocate it to things like homelessness or um, mental health as a way um, to uh, provide better services to people who need help, as opposed to sending police everywhere. But um, really, there has not been any kind of replacement suggestion as to what would happen if the the police were completely abolished. Ryan, appreciate it. Thank you. You got it. Take care. There was a Congressional Black Caucus Chairwoman, Representative Karen Bass, who was on CNN with Jake Tapper over the weekend. And she said, I don't believe you should disband police departments. She said, we need to look at how we're spending the resources and invest more in our communities, which is a conversation to have. If the police are getting the bulk of the money in in the budget, then that's a conversation to have. And how can we divert more money into the other communities that need it, that that need it so that people aren't desperate. Uh, And CNN wrote an article uh, about, is this a bad political move, this whole defund the police movement? And they pointed to Karen Bass's comments and they said that her quote is at the heart of the political problem for Democrats with this defund effort. Because while some crowds around the country are chanting defund the police, it's likely what most people involved in these protests want, not to take all the money away from police departments and get rid of the cops, but they want an examination of the budgets for police departments Yeah, but and look at the increased militarization of these police departments. Yeah, but if I'm making a sign and I write defund the police right. versus let's reexamine the allocations of law enforcement monies right. into community resources. Right. But I can't write that on my sign. So like that narrative being pushed is not doing them any favors. It's not. It's not at all. But remember the guy from Black Lives Matter that we had on uh, last week? Yeah, Keely. He specifically said he wants to abolish the police department. He said there are people in his movement that want to abolish the police department, but that he wasn't one of those. But here's the issue with that. I mean, even if even if that's the case, even if he's aligning himself with people who do say they want to abolish the police department, that's not even necessarily true, but that's what they're saying. Right. I mean, if you use Camden, New Jersey as an example, I mean, the first thing we did in the show today was we talked about uh, Camden, New Jersey, the city of, had a ridiculous crime problem. They had problems with the relationships with the police officers. They, finger quotes, abolished their police department when, in fact, all they really did was they took the Camden City Police Department away and turned it into the Camden County Police Agency. Well, and P.S., they only had 175 officers at one point in their city police department. Right. 175. We have 10,000 LAPD yeah. officers. It's You just can't compare them. Um, but I'm wondering if this is like a negotiating tool. You know, come to the table and say, we want to completely defund the police. And then... You get more than if you come to the negotiating table with, I'd like to examine the city's budget. Uh, Possibly. I mean, the. You start on complete opposite ends and then you work your way to the middle to some sort of solution. But I don't feel like that's a to your point there. I don't feel like that's a winning message. The idea of defunding the police, because that strikes fear in the hearts of people who count on police or expect there to be some amount of protection when when everything goes south. I mean, that's it's a it's a message that's um, that fits on the sign, of course. Right. But it's not the message that they probably mean to actually say. 
Um, and, and when we went through and we looked at at least one Black Lives Matter organization that did put out a list of things that they would like to see in exchange for or, or in place of um, police departments as we know them, it's basically just refunding or or funding to a more healthy level some of those things that should be funded now, social services, right. uh, mental health professionals that can go out on specialized calls. The, I don't think any police agency would would – uh, would necessarily disagree with those types of things. It's just the that a police agency would be the one agency in a city that would have to suffer so that those other things could be uh, improved. Didn't right. make a lot of sense. All right, Gary and Jenna will continue. You only love me when it's easy for you And it keeps me coming back Take another pill to feel more for you When you're done, you're Jacob made me feel sick. Now I can't even listen to music. You're climbing by association. So good I fake. Ruin music for me. New music Monday. I'm the only one that's still. Gonna have to listen to a crime podcast on the way home. I'll put a sad song. Okay. No more love songs. Okay. Agreed. <laughs> know everything i don't want to know everything i don't need to know everything i like to have mystery in my life <laughs> mystery is kind of nice huh just like, when it oh, comes I, to certain never would have thought of that things. thank god <laughs> gary and shannon kfi am 640 live everywhere on the iheart radio app there was a uh, a couple of shootings that i wanted to update you on if you remember the uh, former uh, the retired police captain David Dorn out of Missouri. He was working for the St. Louis Metropolitan Police Department. He had been hired as a chief for a small town nearby. He was shot and killed by looters last week. St. Louis police have arrested a 24-year-old man charged with murder and then a 27-year-old man also charged with first-degree burglary. And then there was another one from Northern California just this weekend on Saturday a Santa Cruz County Sheriff's deputy was killed. A couple other law enforcement officers wounded when they were ambushed by a suspect who set off some explosives and, and shot at these officers. That guy was a member of the U.S. Air Force. And now the FBI is trying to figure out if he may have also been involved with the federal officer who was fatally shot outside the U.S. courthouse in Oakland more than a week ago. Uh, because apparently he may have had a vehicle similar to one that was seen at the scene of that uh Oakland Courthouse. L.A. County health officials say there have been 10 new deaths due to the coronavirus. That's the lowest number we've seen. In six weeks, Yeah, at least. Mondays are bad. Mondays we get lower numbers because of the reporting issues that uh, for some reason... But it hasn't been that low. No genius has figured out. Well... I, yeah, I mean, they're just bad it's indicators. Good in yes. that it feels yeah. good, but it's bad in that they can't figure out their statistics and how to figure it out. Anyway, I have good news. Okay, it's from Dr. Maria Van Kerkhove. Dr. Maria is head of the World Health Organization's Emerging Diseases and Zoonosis Unit. What zoonosis? A disease you know. which can be transmitted to humans from animals, i.e., you know, bat, bat flu. Oh, sorry, pangolin flu. Remember when we saw the picture of the bat soup 
with the bat as the garden. And we laughed. And we were making light of it. And, we were like, and Nick, oh, pump your brakes. Nick was like, oh, it's like a, a slice of lemon. And we <laughs> thought that was the funniest thing. <laughs> and well, we were like, oh. Here's the good news from Dr. Maria Frankar. <laughs> The second part of your question is what proportion of asymptomatic individuals actually transmit? So the way that we look at that is we look at um, they need these individuals need to be followed carefully um, over the course of uh, when they're detected and looking at secondary transmission. We have a number of reports from countries who are doing very detailed contact tracing. They're following asymptomatic cases, they're following contacts, and they're not finding secondary transmission onward. It's very rare. That's and that not that, m- much that of that is, is the not best published news in, in we've the had. That's fantastic. She says of those countries that are doing those contact tracings of people who are asymptomatic, they're not seeing secondary infections. Wait a minute. So you mean to tell me that this is not as crazy as everyone had thought it was? Well, here's the thing. We operated under an abundance of caution, and now we're learning that, yes, it is very rare, and that is excellent news. This, hopefully, will be news that spreads. I haven't seen it. <laughs> spreads. I, okay. News we're that not doing spreads. Fun. We're not being funny anymore. We are. Oh. Remember the crazy bat garnish? Thank you for acting it out. out. You totally just acted it out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I haven't seen, like, this should be the headline that's leading Google News. This should be trending. Right. Why isn't anyone else seizing on this? I I don't know. I don't know. But it makes me not want to wear my mask when I leave the building. I'll tell you that. Well, you should still take precautions. Stop. You sound like my mother. I never sound like your mother. I'm uh-huh. way... Really? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes. Really? Oh, yes. Like, how? Oh, like, okay. when? Well, I'll tell you what. When you do, I will let you know, like I just did, that you sound like my mom sometimes. I like your mom. Who doesn't like my mom? Her language isn't as colorful as I could hope it to be. Or I guess I should say her acceptance of colorful language isn't where, you know. I've never heard her say those words. Yeah. Yeah, ever. What's the worst word you've ever heard her say? The P word. Oh, that's when she called you the P word. Right. Remember when she said, because she was mad that I wasn't, I I hadn't proposed to my then girlfriend yet. Mm -hmm. And she said, Gary, don't be don't be such a wussy. But she didn't say that word. She thinks she said that word. In fact, to this day, she will say, I would never say. Listen, I would never make that up about right. my own mother. You don't There's want not, to hear your yeah. mom saying that. It was a painful time for me. <laughs> I'm not going to do that on uh, just does voluntarily. She, does she say hell? Uh, no, not, not in general. When she has time. an exclamation point, she wants to put on something. What kind of word does she use? I've heard her say dang. Okay. So like a Philip River situation. Yeah. Well, listen, remember, she was an elementary school principal for decades. Yeah. So, I mean, the whole time she's like uh, like we are with the FCC. Like she's got to make sure she keeps herself in check. Yeah. But when we're off the air, we're both terrible. We. Yes. Gary and Shannon <laughs> will continue.
<laughs> uh, I've got a number of examples to share with you in the break. Okay, great. Shannon, KFI AM640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Joe Biden is in Houston. Pay his respects to George Floyd. Took time to sit and listen to George's family members. They met privately for more than an hour. The attorney there, Ben Crump, saying listening to one another is what will begin to heal America. We've seen a lot of uh, corporations respond to what's been going on for these last couple of weeks with messages on social media. Jeff Bezos said he does not mind losing Amazon customers who are mad about his support for Black Lives Matter. Um, Why would he be? Well, yeah, I mean, he's got plenty of others. And even if people say they're not, what are you going to do, not use Amazon to get your goods delivered to your, come on, everybody knows you're going to. Well, uh, I mentioned this, that we started last night. The Filthy Rich is the documentary series that's on Netflix. How many episodes is it? Only four. Okay. Um, I didn't even realize it was that. I thought it was just a one-time show. But it's a four. It's a small series um, on Netflix about Jeffrey Epstein. And uh, one of the, or I should say the host of the Truth and Lies Jeffrey Epstein podcast is Mark Remillard, who's joined us many times talking about stories for us and for ABC News. And the latest, Mark, about Jeffrey Epstein is not the Netflix documentary. It's about how Prince Andrew is playing into this. Now, they're trying to get the prince to uh, sit down for an interview about his relationship and what he might know about Jeffrey Epstein. What's the latest? Yeah, that's right. There's actually been a lot of back and forth between uh, Prince Andrew and his attorneys and uh, the U.S. attorneys office here in the Southern District of New York for several months now, going back to January, uh, U.S. Attorney Jeffrey Berman had a pretty unusual uh, statement that he made back in January where he said that they had attempted to speak with Prince Andrew and they say that he was uh, uncooperative and that they essentially had no cooperation from him whatsoever. Unusual for uh, a U.S. attorney to discuss uh, an open investigation in that way and talk about witnesses that were uncooperative at the time, or as he says they were. And the reason that he says he felt compelled to say that was because earlier, I believe it was in November, Prince Andrew had an interview with BBC Nightline in the midst of all of the uh, the attention on Jeffrey Epstein and particularly Prince Andrew's relationship to Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, Prince Andrew held uh, an interview with BBC's Uh, on the BBC, and during which he said he was perfectly willing to cooperate with any federal investigation here in the U.S. So that's why Berman decided to say that. Now, fast forward six months to this week, and we're getting this back and forth again. Federal prosecutors have now, uh, seems to have upped the ante a bit by going through more official channels to try and even potentially compel Andrew to speak with him. They've They've reached out to U.K. authorities and U.K. official channels to try and reach an interview with Andrew. We've got a statement from Andrew's attorneys that now say, well, again, 
we've been willing to cooperate. We've reached out three times, they say, since January to do an interview, and it hasn't materialized. And they accused the U.S. attorney here in, uh, in New York of uh, essentially seeking publicity as a result of this. Now, again, in response, the U.S. attorney says it's just not true, that their door is open whenever Andrew decides he wants to cooperate. So a lot of back and forth over the last several months about whether or not Andrew is willing to cooperate or not. What do we know about the interactions uh, the two had? Uh, Between Andrew and Epstein? Yeah. Yeah, so they were friends. Uh, They uh, were introduced in 1999 through Ghislaine Maxwell, who is another key figure uh, in the saga of Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, That was once his girlfriend, and she is now accused uh, by a number of women who say that she not only facilitated crimes, that she would seek out young girls for Jeffrey Epstein to abuse, but that in some cases she was party to the abuse, that she actually took part in it with Epstein. So there are lawsuits that have uh, that she is facing, civil suits at this point. Uh, she has responded only recently to some of them, one asking for it to be dismissed, and she asked for a, a delay in having to give any kind of depositions, and that was actually granted. Um, and But in terms of her whereabouts, nobody really knows where she is. So she's an important character on all this. And what we understand is that she is the focus of the investigation and that Andrew at this point is only being sought after as a witness, not as a target in the investigation. But there are women who say that Andrew abused them, particularly Virginia Jufre, who says that she was introduced to Andrew through Epstein uh, years ago and that on three different occasions she was forced to have sex with Andrew. Andrew has denied that uh, those allegations. And Galen has at other times also denied the allegations against her. So uh, to, to clarify, the the prince and his uh, legal team have said that he is willing to give a statement, but that the Department of Justice here wants to actually have him sit down under oath and, and give some amount of testimony, right? Well, yeah. So in the statement that we got from his attorneys, they said, uh, and I'm reading it right here, the Duke of York has on at least three occasions this year offered his assistance. So uh, in terms of maybe what the definition of what that means may, may be where the, the daylight is between these two takes. But essentially, they're defending his statements that he's willing to cooperate. However, the SDNY says that's not the case. Hey, have you uh, checked out the Netflix show yet? I have not watched it yet, actually. Uh, it's on my list. Mark hosts the podcast Truth and Lies, Jeffrey Epstein. So he has covered this saga extensively. Uh, we'll have to check that out for sure, Mark. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yep, I, it's like I said, on my list to watch, and we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Awesome, Mark Remillard there, live from New York, with the latest on uh, this back and forth now between the Department of Justice and Prince Andrew about whether or not he's willing to sit down and uh, instead of just give a statement, but actually answer questions under oath about the relationship with Jeffrey Epstein. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. The thirst is real, isn't it? I, that is one way to put it, yes. Uh, windy, dry weather has raised the uh, fire danger here in California. We saw a fire early this morning. National Weather Service did issue red flag warnings for L.A. and Ventura counties. 
about a 80, I think it was 86 acres was the total of uh, the equestrian fire that burned up in Castaic this morning. Uh, but um, they were able to put an end to that. Thankfully, there's a giant lake right there. They were able to uh, get their buckets full of water and stuff. Well, have you heard about the group called the One Direction of TikTok? Oh, of course, boy. One Direction, the popular boy band. Oh, thank you for that. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, damn it. The One Direction of TikTok has moved into a house in Bel Air. The Sway House. This is a group of guys, which is indicative of why the birth rate is at an all-time low in this country. <laughs> Well, you don't want these guys. You don't want these guys uh, procreating anyway, do you? You don't want uh, that. They live in a seventy-eight hundred square foot mansion in a quiet street in Bel Air. Um, these guys, the names will mean nothing to you, but I'll tell you anyway. Bryce Hall, Jaden Hostler, Josh Richards, Quentin Griggs, Anthony Reeves, Keo Sear, and Griffin Johnson. Josh all between, and Bryce and Jaden. <laughs> all between the ages of 17 and 21. They play music into the wee hours. This is a residential area, and people are saying that it is a nightmare. In the morning, they say, we hear paintball guns. I don't think they sleep. There's a pool outside. Whenever they're out hanging by the pool, the sound carries. We could hear them shouting, chug! Chug, chug. Oh, God. And I've heard someone throwing up at night outside. They said that it feels like they've transformed the neighborhood into Coachella. <laughs> now, this is a very L.A. thing. How much money do these kids make on TikTok? Don't ask. Shoot me. Don't ask. Because Jake Paul, for example, um, a few years ago had a house in West Hollywood that was considered his party house. Same, same thing. I mean... Hardy's going all the time. Jake Paul's one of those guys who makes millions of dollars a month, perhaps, on his YouTube channel channels. Um, he was the guy who was just popped recently, by the way, for uh, being around the looting that was going on in the mall in Scottsdale, Arizona. But one neighbor said that uh, of this Sway house says that women have shown up at her doorstep in the middle of the oh, night at least four times girls 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 after mistaking her home for that of the sway house gross she said she and her husband feel scared and violated the men cruise through the neighborhood in a beat up gray car emblazoned with the home's name uh they have <laughs> repeatedly ignored the social distancing guidelines ps They've thrown huge parties, posted about them on Instagram. Maybe they've already done their research about asymptomatic people and whether or not they actually transfer the virus. Two neighbors say they have confronted members of the house directly uh, about the chaos. I, but I couldn't imagine if you're if you're 47, like this guy, and you walk up to try to talk to an 18, 19, or 20-year-old guy who's making money by making TikTok videos... What logic, if any, is that guy going to have in his noodle to hear what you're saying and then go, you know what, you're right. I, I do live in a neighborhood and people are just trying to, you know, settle down for the evening or whatever. I should keep it down. You're right. There's no way. What is that face you're making? I've just gone down the Google TikTok hole of these people. Why? I don't know. You know, you knew what you were going to get into. Um, 62-year-old Renee noticed an uptick in foot traffic in that little neighborhood in Bel Air since these guys moved in. 
And she said, quote, you see the youngest people in the street just standing. They're standing there sort of zombie like. Her husband, Jeff, said the house has become a nightclub on occasion. I've seen girls parking down the street, then walking down in groups, almost as if they don't know if they're going to get in. Oh, could, my could you goodness. Talk, could you talk to them, please? Could you talk to those young women and tell them this is not the future for them? The Sway Boys are known for starting fights, dropping diss tracks, weighing in on trending topics. In Time life. out. Did you just say dropping diss tracks? Yes. Weighing in on trending topics in live streams and vlogs and occasionally flashing their fans on Instagram Live. I just clicked. Well, there is there is a company, uh, Warren Lentz, the CEO of Talent X, manages these guys and provides them with a house in exchange for their content. And according to Warren Lentz, to our knowledge, there have been no formal noise complaints, although a bunch of... Uh, bunch of neighbors say they have complained to the police department these kids are flashing people on tiktok you know who uses tiktok 12 year olds and the, there's 21 year old guys showing off their little wieners their little wieners uh again the ceo of their management <laughs> company says we've been in frequent communication with both the lapd and the city council to ensure the safety of the neighborhood in order to follow proper protocol we hired security for our clients and the house. But the owner of the house, now this, this management company just rents it, but the owner of the house has not uh, returned comment. Um, one of the neighbors said there's an undercurrent of fear and intimidation, both from all the stories in the media about people getting doxxed, swatted, harassed, especially if you're a woman, which many of these neighbors who are, they're dealing with this stuff. And with fans and actual people mistakenly showing up to our houses, there's a virtual and a very physical threat. Mm. So. I don't want to ever talk about the Sway House again unless somebody sets fire to it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's depressing. One of the one of the women said, I think she's an actual she's a law student at nearby UCLA. She says, I feel bad when I say you don't belong here saying that she, too, is a, quote, guest in the neighborhood. But I wish they cared more about anything other than getting famous on the Internet. Well, sorry, sorry, Sally, or whatever the hell your name is. That's a 17-year-old who's going to make tens of, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars a month making an ass out of himself on the Internet. That's, uh, I could have done that. I could have been a multimillionaire 30 years Mm. ago. It's never too late to be what you might have been. I had a group of buddies why don't called you ourselves jump on, the sway boys and we could jump on the tiktok uh it's probably not a great idea for me to to flash people no no i didn't say to flash people well that's what they have to do that's what those guys do you don't have to flash people to get friends gary oh my god don't let the boys oh, tell you that damn it okay okay yeah okay right. john and ken up next we'll see you tomorrow <laughs> they dry everybody <gasps> big man I know how you cut me off all the time, but I'm not going to be quiet anymore, okay? I'm not out of time. You spoke over time, and I'm going to talk. Gary and Shannon. Why am I stopping? No one else stopped. 
Farmers and Distillers Dining Room and Patio are now open and accepting reservations. They're following all the government guidelines so you can choose to dine out safely or if you want to stay in, they've got you covered. You can order for curbside pickup or delivery online at FarmersAndDistillers.com. They're also still offering a robust one-stop shop founding farmers market and grocery for all your daily grocery needs. Offerings include fresh produce, a prepared foods market, whole bakery, butcher and deli, house churned ice cream, house roasted coffee, wine, beer and more. Visit FoundingFarmersMarket.com to order. Same day delivery available. 